Mamma Mia subscribers, you've been asking and we've been listening. Now you can get all of your exclusive subscriber audio on Apple Podcasts. That includes everything from bonus episodes of your favourite pods to exclusive segments to all of our audio series. To link your Mamma Mia subscription to Apple Podcasts, open the Mamma Mia Out Loud page in your Apple Podcasts app and follow the prompts or head to help.mamamia.com.au. You're listening to a Mamma Mia podcast. Mamma Mia acknowledges the traditional owners of the land we have recorded this podcast on, the Gadigal people of the Eora Nation. We pay our respects to their elders, past and present, and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures. From Mamma Mia, welcome to The Spill, your daily pop culture fix. I'm Chelsea McLaughlin. And I'm Laura Brodnick. And what a big 12 hours we've just had. It was the Mamma Mia Christmas party last night and that was super fun. It just so happened that we had organised it before a couple of people, you may have heard of them, Megan and Harry, decided to release a documentary. On the same night as our (laughs) Christmas party, rude, I know, and we were already dealing with just an update on the dress from yesterday if anyone was stressed out. (laughs) And the shoes. (laughs) And the shoes. No, the shoes were fine, although I can't really walk today. Our producer, Ree, who's conveniently not here today, spent, I'm going to say, an hour down the front of my dress pinning my (laughs) boobs together, so the dress did hold. In the middle and of the office, gluing it. Yeah, may I add. unfortunately, quite a few people did see. <laughs> and then I think I use the glue. This we have this boob glue that glues your clothes to your boobs; they don't move. And I was gluing Emmeline Peters, another podcast producer's boobs, and yelling, "This is feminism!" So if you want to know how the party went, <laughs> but also that's how it was. you always say this isn't a fashion podcast. Sounds like a fashion hack to me. Oh, 100 percent. Oh, maybe glue. we are a fashion <laughs> podcast. Look at us. So yes, big documentary to talk about, but it's also weekend watch time. We have two shows to recommend this week. One is a fantasy series that Laura here is very, very passionate about. She's going to cry. <laughs> and one is a rom-com series that I think will give you warm fuzzies. But first, the entertainment news headlines of the day. I have news. What's the hot gas? I want more headlines. Okay, so the first thing we have to talk about today is the first trailer for the upcoming documentary, The Price of Glee, has been released. So this documentary, which has been very controversial since it was first announced, is promising to delve into the backstory of the hit show and also focus in on the deaths of three of the main cast members. So these deaths include Corey Montath, who was a you know a big star on the show and died while the show was on air, which is very sad. So he died at the age of 31 from a drug overdose in 2000. 2013. And then very sadly, Naya Rivera drowned at the age of 33 in 2020 while trying to save her son. And the docuseries is also going to investigate the 2018 suicide of Mark Salling after the actor pleaded guilty to charges relating to the possession of child pornography in 2017. So we should say that Ryan Murphy and the principal cast of Glee and many of the people who were very instrumental in the show have called out this documentary for being insensitive. They want nothing to do with it. But now that we've actually seen the trailer, we can see that a lot of people who were involved in the series have actually been interviewed. Glee was a phenomenon. The audience couldn't get enough of it. It took all these people and it turned them into stars. It's as fun as it looks. She says, it's about Corey. I'm like, what? She says, he's dead. We had a lot of tragedies. Then you find out that somebody, you know, is not 
necessarily who you thought they were. The bigger the show went, the smaller their worlds become. We are just completely in shock. Not another one, not another one. Three major cast members dead. I don't want to say the C word, the curse word, but that's where your mind goes. Kind of mixed feelings about it because they're really conflating these three deaths. They're really perpetuating that idea of the Glee curse. But mm. at the same time, I've been listening to that new podcast, Here's What You Really Missed, with some of the stars from Glee, and they have talked about some of the terrible things that happen behind the scenes. So that information is out there, but I think this is really focusing on three of the deaths and kind of reminding people what a huge show Glee was when it first came out. So it aired from 2009 to 2015. It was just this huge cultural moment made stars of everyone but by the end of the series run there was a lot of negativity around it we will talk about the documentary more when it comes out because i feel like there'll be a lot of conversation around it so the price of glee is premiering january 16 well it is here harry megan the netflix documentary about harry and megan arrived on netflix at 7 p.m last night so the first three episodes were released and they track kind of from their meeting to the day before their wedding. Thematically, I feel like it covers Harry's life growing up royal, especially in regards to press intrusion and his mother, both before and after Princess Diana's death. Also, it touches on racism, the colonialism and history of the British crown, but also Meghan's experiences as a biracial light-skinned woman in comparison to her mother, Doria's experiences as well. That's quite a theme, but I think, for me, the biggest theme is definitely the sheer audacity of the British tabloid media, you know, the paparazzi, the sort of quid pro quo situation that happens with the royal family and members of the press, and then the experiences of H&M, as they call themselves, as a couple in the media. I don't know. There's been a debate in the Mamma Mia office today about whether there are big reveals or not. I'm not sure where I stand, Laura. I feel like I learned a little bit, but maybe you sort of just like rehash things that I already knew interested in what you thought. Yeah, I don't think there were big reveals, so to say. I know there's a lot of anonymous quotes from the royal family going around today in tabloids and whether they said it or not, but there's this quote that's allegedly from Prince Charles saying, King Charles, my apologies, (laughs) Charles, saying they didn't think it was as bad as they thought it was going to be and the truth bombs failed to detonate. So what they're Mm. kind of saying is that they tried to drop all these revelations and they didn't hit. I don't think that's what the documentary was ever supposed to be about and that's not what's interesting about it because obviously Harry and Meghan have had such a hand in not just the process of putting it together but the interviews they've given who they very strategically chosen to have interviewed mm. and tell their story the footage from like their engagement night that they'd never shared before and what they're putting out there so it's not interesting what they revealed it's interesting what story are they trying to tell yeah. I think that's what's come out of it and I thought it was incredibly stylized and almost fluffy and dreamlike in some way but there was such an undercurrent of anger underneath it. By the end of it, I was almost floored by how angry I feel like in particular Meghan Markle is. But I thought going into it, the story about how they met, we've heard that so much before. I think it was more so her first meeting with the royal family that was interesting. And I thought the most telling line that there was kind of a line drawn in the sand between Meghan and Harry and Kate and William is where she said when she first met them and they were startled by her hugging them Mm. and then her saying the biggest surprise for her wasn't that they had to be so formal in the public eye. 
it was that she was flawed, that formality happened behind oh, the scenes. That was no one's talking about that. Yeah. And I was like, guys, she's basically saying that what we see in front of the cameras is how they are behind the scenes, so cold and informal mm-hmm. and so rigid and unable to hug or talk or anything like that. And that was her main point she wanted to get across. I agree. That was the most surprising thing. I paused it. I was here in the office and I turned to my colleague next to me and I was like, what the hell? They're the same behind closed doors? But they seem to centre on both their families equally, which was also interesting. Like there wasn't much said about, you know, Charles and Camilla, all that mm. sort of stuff. I think it was more Harry talking about how he didn't have support when his mother, Princess Diana, died and that felt like old family resentment. For me, the interesting part was having Meghan Markle's niece be so yes. part of the storyline and how absent she was from the drama leading up to the wedding, the phone call telling her not to come to the wedding. I feel like that should have been really big tabloid fodder at the time but it couldn't kind of overshine what was happening with her father and and her sister. I haven't thought of Samantha Markle in so long, (laughs) but she was such a media fixture for so many years. For sure. I feel like, so this is Samantha Markle's daughter, immigration lawyer Ashley Hale. She was raised by her paternal grandparents and didn't really have too much going on with the Markle side of the family for the initial few years. Megan and her sort of reconnected when Megan was on Suits. And then they became really, really close but then all of this drama happened and Megan and Harry were advised not to invite Ashley to the wedding. And I think the reason that it didn't, you know, create this big storm as everything else going on around this couple was, was because it was a positive story. Megan was really close with this yeah, member of I her family. Yeah, I didn't know about this. Yeah, that she kind of reconnected with this girl who became really close and there's these photos of them travelling and that was kind of all left out. But I, again, I think that was very telling that mm. she was chosen for an interview that Abigail Spencer, the actress, yes. was out of all her celebrity friends is the one that has stayed in her circle the longest and the one who's never put a foot wrong either publicly because she doesn't have any controversies. She's just an actress who mm. is on a lot of, you know, mid-range TV shows and people like her by all accounts. So I feel like she was chosen to be the celebrity friend who was very unthreatening, no scandals in the background. People like Jessica Moroni, who was very much Megan's central best friend, the stylist from Canada, who was like in a famous family, who was by her side all through the wedding. And then she had that huge backlash, that whole thing with her, like, and you know, racial things and stuff came out and they haven't been photographed together since. So I think it was very telling that she wasn't in there, but she was the one, they showed the engagement video. I thought was really interesting Mm. where she was saying, Jess, it's happening, it's happening, because she knew he was about to propose. I thought that was like quite personal and telling to share as well. For sure. I loved seeing that. So this is kind of my thing with not just Meghan and Harry, but just sort of royals in general, is I don't care about the firm, in inverted commas. I don't care about the pomp and all of that. I care about personality. Yeah. And so seeing sort of more of the candid Meghan was really interesting to me because I feel like, you know, it makes sense given the fact that she's been teared down, no matter what she does for years, that she's somewhat guarded. But I really like that insight into it. The interesting part is what story are they so desperate to tell that they're putting themselves out in the firing line again? And I think they both wanted to set them up as having difficult childhoods in different Mm. areas, saying, look at us, we're the same, we're both children of divorce. I don't mean to laugh, but when she said that poem... Two houses, two homes... Two kitchens, two phones, two couches where I lay, two places that I stay. Moving, moving here and there from Monday to Friday, I'm everywhere. Don't get me wrong, it's not that bad, but oftentimes it makes me sad. I want to live that nuclear life with a happy dad and his loving wife, a picket fence, a shaggy dog, a fireplace with a burning log. But it's not real, it's just a dream. I cannot cry or even scream. 
So here I sit with cat number three. Life would be easy if there were two of me. Okay, I don't mean to laugh, but I did. As a child of separated parents, oh, so I get it. It's more so that I was like, wow, you really like practiced that and you had it ready to go for the doco interview. Okay, I get she's an actor, so she probably is good at learning lines, but like I would never remember something I've written as a child. <laughs> no chance. Also, it was quite good. Rhymed well. It was great. Impressive. I was like, someone put that on a pincushion or something. I don't know what people do. So that was interesting, but I thought it was Wait, like, a pincushion? Sorry, just a circle a throw back. Push- cushion? What the hell? What a random. <laughs> a throw cushion where people like, welcome to my home. They sit on. Should be like two beds, two oh. floors. <laughs> Decor choices aside. But I thought it was very set up of like these two people with troubled backgrounds coming together, having this beautiful love story that was then destroyed by both the firm and the tabloid media coming together. And I feel like they were trying to make themselves appear very neutral throughout it. Mm. And what we know about the background of this documentary is that there was a lot of back and forth. There's some information that's come out the first director leaving because he clashed too much with Meghan Markle. Again, allegations, we don't know. Mm -hmm. And then the second director coming on and also clashing a lot with Meghan Markle and then the holdup has come out. And then there's some quotes from Meghan Markle saying she thought this is how she wanted to tell her story, but now looking back, potentially it's not. Maybe she wanted more control. I don't know. You know, there's a lot of behind-the-scenes stuff, as there always is with Meghan and Harry, and we'll never know the full Mm. story. But my biggest takeaway from it, like I was saying earlier, is that on the surface it looks like they're trying to show this beautiful love story and the truth of what happened to them. But what's coming through for me from Meghan Markle is that she is a woman who is still just completely furious over her treatment, over the fact that she was misunderstood, over things that have happened that have never come into the public Mm -hmm, eye. mm -hmm. And a lot of it justifiably so, I'm sure. But it's that anger I feel that is driving this documentary, something that's happened behind the scenes or just the way they feel so mistreated that they're willing to put everything else on the line because having a public perception of themselves seems to be their number one priority. So I think what's happening here is they're not necessarily trying to win over these people that already have negative opinions. I think they are trying to get a new audience. Yeah, exactly. It definitely was meant to be information through an angry lens that was presented in a very Mm. non-threatening way because I think they're so concerned about putting one foot wrong and looking like the villains that they're playing this long game at the beginning because you think there's three episodes to go and I think that's when the actual Mm -hmm. interesting explosive content's going to happen. I mean, that's after the wedding. That's when most of the drama really started. I have to admit, I was not excited for this, but now I am excited for the second half. Yeah, me too. That's when the juicy stuff's going to happen. For sure. So that comes out next week. I'm sure there will be plenty more to discuss about that. Move by Mamma Mia is the exercise app for anybody, anywhere. And in case you missed it, we dropped a brand new stretching collection that can be used to improve mobility and bookend your favourite sweat sessions. Mamma Mia subscribers get unlimited access to Move, and we drop new workouts every single week. If you're on the hunt for movement that makes you feel good, head to move.mamamia.com.au and use the code MOVE10 to get $10 off a yearly subscription. I finished my work week on my couch, ordered some food. It's time for Weekend Watch. Our recommendations of what to watch this weekend. Okay, this week I am recommending a show I've actually been really excited for for a long time because I really love the book. So it is called The Flat Share. It's based on a book by Beth O'Leary and it is, I only read romance novels, okay, like exclusively (laughs) kind of cheesy romance novels. 
So this is a series. It stars Jessica Brown Finlay and Anthony Welsh as Tiffany and Leon. They are two Londoners who, for various circumstances, need to save money, essentially, and, you know, London's expensive. So they come up with a creative solution of sharing a one-bedroom flat, but without meeting. So Tiffany gets the flat from 8pm to 8am, and Leon, who is a night nurse, so this is how it works, gets it from 8am to 8pm. The contract says they can't meet, so then obviously they begin to communicate through post-it notes. Dear Tiffany, couple of house rules. Can we talk about the milk situation? Talk about it. And that value toilet tissue you buy? Basically sandpaper. Bog roll will not be organic. P.S. Please sleep on left side of bed. Does left mean as you look at it or left mean as you lie in it? Left Left as you look at it. So it's super frothy. It's like an incredibly implausible premise as well. So you really have to suspend belief. But isn't that the whole point? Oh, wait, are they falling in love via the post-it notes? I didn't think I needed to say it. It's based on a romance novel. So like if they start communicating but they can't meet and there's just a little, you know, a little tension there. So yes, they start to fall in love. That's not a spoiler. It's a romance. (laughs) Like you go in and you know what you're going to get. But I feel like there is actually a layer of depth here because Leon is driven to save money because it is to get his brother, who is imprisoned for something he didn't do, out of prison. And that kind of plays out throughout the six episodes. Tiffany starts to help. It's really interesting. And I feel like it just adds a layer of depth beyond the post-it notes and probable romance. There are six episodes. It's on Paramount Plus, And it's just a good time. There is a story. Of a child destined to be an empress. And the unlikely hero who would protect her. Okay, I have been so excited to (laughs) recommend this series because Chelsea, the movie this series is based on, I feel like formed me as a human being because it was my favourite movie growing up. Scared the absolute (laughs) shit out of me as all good movies in the 80s and 90s did to kids. But it kind of made me who I am. Do you have movies like that? Um... She's like, please stop talking about this. <laughs> no, it's just the ones that I that come to mind are going to get me roasted because I'm thinking like ones I shouldn't have watched as a child. Coyote Ugly. Okay. <laughs> I watched okay, that um, at a sleepover. I don't as, like, know a if they've made a series around Coyote Ugly, but they have made <laughs> they a series. <laughs> Actually, I, I would watch that. But they have made a series around the movie Willow. So this movie came out in 1988. Yes, I was a baby then, so I watched it as a child on a VHS. But it's this amazing dark fantasy adventure movie that was directed by Ron Howard. So, you know, he's a really famous director and still making heaps of movies today. And it was executive produced by a very unknown talent called George Lucas, who came up with the story. Mm. So, as he was making Star Wars, this was meant to be his other big... Anyway. I didn't know where you are going with that. I love Star Wars. I'm such a Star Wars fan. Then you should watch this. He made it at the same time as he was making Star Wars and this was meant to be his next big franchise that really kicked off and was a multi-movie deal but it didn't really because it was so fantasy heavy and not enough space fighting but it didn't really take off. <laughs> I was about to say so people are okay with literal wars in the sky but not this. 
I don't, well, yeah, exactly. So <laughs> let me set the scene. So the story was centered around Warwick Davis, who played Wicked in the Star Wars movies. He also played Professor Flitwick in the yes. Harry Potter series, yes. a very well-known, very well-respected British actor. So he lives in this small village and he's an aspiring musician. And there's this evil queen called Bav Morta, who is still gives me nightmares to this day, <laughs> who's, you know, there's a prophecy that this like baby's going to overthrow her, the little baby called Alora Dannon. She gets like shipped away. These mad dogs are chasing her. Willow finds her and they have to kind of return her and also save the world. And Val Kilmer's in it. He's like was a warrior, but he's been rejected and they like rescue him from a cage. And so he and Willow become best friends and they go on a journey together and there's magic <laughs> and there's trolls and there's dragons and there's people getting turned into pigs, which is the only scene I still don't watch as an adult because it's so scary. So it's this huge kind of epic quest fantasy movie. Mm-hmm. Absolutely amazing. And then this year, George Lucas finally got his dream. The one thing he ever wanted, Chelsea, was to continue the story of Willow. So the events of Willow are set like many decades after the first movie. And Warwick Davis is back as Willow. All the other characters are back, except for Val Kilmer, because he was too sick, because he's been very ill, fighting Mm -hmm. a lot of illnesses, wasn't able to come back, which is the saddest thing. But the first three episodes are out and I put the first one on and I thought I was emotionally prepared to watch it. As soon as Willow came on screen, I just started crying just hysterically and had to turn it off. So it's taken me a while to watch the first episode. I know. And coming off the back of The Walking Dead, like, honestly, can I I calm down? You are a very emotional person. (laughs) I only watch shows that really mean something to me. So Willow is also on Disney Plus, as you say. So the original movie, I think it really holds up if you want to watch that and then go on and watch this series but you can also watch the series as a standalone because basically it's a group of people come together to go on a quest that's all you need to know (laughs) so the first three episodes are out now willow it's on disney plus go watch it it's freaking magical it's freaking magical she's yelling i'm crying now (laughs) (laughs) well thank you for listening to the spill today this episode of the spill was produced by laura brodnick and gm moylan with audio production by madeline joanno we'll see you at mamamia.com.au and on the spill instagram have a good weekend bye